0: So listen, often when um, you would come to uh, a movie or you would come to some sort of production that was being done, there would be a spot right at the very front row for the most important people. And so today, we're creating this spot for the children. So what does that mean? The children are important. Listen, that's what Jesus is going to show us today. He's talking and he's, remember, Jesus is on the road and he's teaching the disciples and they're traveling from place to place and now they're moving towards, where are they headed now? Does anybody remember? Where where does Jesus ultimately go? What city does he ultimately go to? Can anybody remember? Jerusalem, right? So ultimately, they're on the way to Jerusalem. They're on the way to Jerusalem so that what can happen? Does anybody remember what happens at Jerusalem? What? What happens to Jesus? Anybody besides Jesse? He gets killed, right? By who? By people, right? So Jesus is on his way, and he's going to Jerusalem, and he knows that he's going there to die. But in the on the way, he's teaching the disciples what does it mean to be a disciple. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And he's already told them some really hard things. He's told them that it's important. That, that if you want to be the first, you're going to be the, anybody? Do you know, Layla? No? Last. If you want to be first, you have to be last because the disciples are arguing. They're just like us. We all want to be first. But they're arguing amongst themselves. And Jesus says, listen, if you want to be first, you have to be last. If you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, and that's what he's talking about constantly, the kingdom of God the greatest in the kingdom of God, then you have to be the servant to all. That's a hard thing, right? We all struggle with that. But Jesus is going to continue to talk about that today in our passage. And he's going to to talk about what does it mean to be a child? What does it mean to to come into the kingdom like a child? And so I want us to listen today. I want us to hear what Jesus has to say because it's super important. He's going to use a couple of There's a couple really interesting words that are in these short couple verses, and we need to hear them, okay? So let's pray and ask God that we would be able to hear that today. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you even that um, you are challenging our social norms. You're challenging our idea of what's important, our idea of what the priority is, and you're giving us your priority. God, and sometimes that's painful, and sometimes that that hurts, and sometimes we don't understand. And yet, in the end, if if we get you and your priorities, then we get you. And that's what we want. We want you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that we would hear that today. I pray that by your Spirit, the Spirit that dwells inside of every believer, God, you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, that you would change our hearts. Lord, some of us have hard hearts in here. God, some of us have hearts that, that like Matt said, need rendering. They need to be broken apart. God, they need to be softened so that you would knit them back together the way that you designed them to be. Lord, would you do that in us today? God, for your glory, for your fame, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in this story, it's, it's really just a, a couple short verses, Right? They're, they're gathering around. They must have stopped somewhere on the road and people are beginning to bring Jesus their children. Now, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about children and, and Jesus said that you have to receive the children and when you receive the children, you receive me and that you receive the Father who sent me. And so when he uses children like that, he's probably not talking Layla's age. He's probably not even talking... Boaz's age. He's probably talking babies. What do babies do for us? Nothing, right? They don't do anything for us. They don't serve us. They don't clean the house, right? They can't bring home any any money to pay for anything. Babies are completely helpless, but Jesus is talking about that, and so now these people probably parents are bringing these babies, these children to Jesus. And then they're asking that Jesus would bless them. So if you were listening when Miss Randy was reading, do you remember who stopped them from bringing the children? Anybody? Parents, anybody? Disciples, right? The guys that have been with Jesus and are following Jesus and who should know Jesus the best stopped the people from bringing the children, to Jesus. Listen, why were they bringing the children? Well, while it's very different in our time, back then in the Jewish culture, it was important to bring the children and then they would be blessed by the adults. They would be blessed and prayed for and they would be given things, inheritance and different things. And so you see that all throughout the Old Testament story. So when we get to Jesus, you already have thousands of years of history of people following God and walking in some of these traditions, and practices. And so in the Jewish culture, they would bless the children. And you go back all the way to Genesis. Remember, that's the first book of the Bible. And in Genesis 48 and 49, you have this story about Jacob, who was one of the fathers of Israel, right? He was Israel. Jacob, and he's blessing his children and his grandchildren. And so in verse... 48, in chapter 48, verses 8 through 10, it says, When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Remember, Israel was uh, Jacob. Jacob's son was Joseph. Joseph was, has a lot of stories about him, and then Joseph had two sons. And so Jacob is seeing these sons, and Joseph said to his father, They are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, that, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them, and he embraced them. That's the blessing that we're talking about. The blessing of of being embraced and known and and loved. And so the disciples are stopping this from happening. That is crazy to you and I, right? When When we stop and we think about it, we're like, wow, who would do that? And yet, then I look at my life and I think about how many times I just move through the motions, particularly with children, to get to what I have and what I think is a more important priority. And so the disciples, they're trying to to take care of Jesus' ministry. They're trying to keep everything going, because they know th- the crowds are pressing and there's so many people. If Jesus stopped and He embraced and loved and blessed every child, they would never get anything done. That's what they're thinking. But the, what they've missed is that Jesus has come just for that purpose. Jesus has come to receive the child, to hold the babes, to bless them, to love them. But the disciples get distracted. The disciples are, are trying to protect Jesus. They think that they're, they're allowing him to do what he's supposed to be doing. You see, somewhere in all of this, the disciples have lessened the value of children coming to Jesus. They've just said that, listen, that's not all that important. It's not as important as the healing. It's not as important as him delivering the leper. It's not as important even as some of his confrontation with the Pharisees. Those things are super important. And it's definitely not as important as him telling us who's the best. That we need to know. We don't have time for these kids. And so the disciples rebuke the people that are bringing their children to Jesus. That's the setting of the story. We get all of that from like a couple words in the the verse. And why does Mark write it that way? Why do you think Mark writes it like, we have all these questions. Well, what were they doing with the children? Who were the people that were bringing them? And Mark doesn't think that it's important that we know that. What does Mark think is important? Myra, what do you think? What does Mark, the, the guy who's writing this story, think is important? Who, who, who speaks, and we should all listen? Jesus. Jesus. So it doesn't matter the setting. It doesn't matter what else is going on. Mark wants us to hear Jesus' words. So in the midst of this, in 14, it says, but when Jesus saw it, when he saw that they were stopping the children from being brought to him, he was indignant. Indignant. Do you guys ever use that word, indignant? Me neither. I don't use it very often. But listen, the word for indignant in the Greek means to arouse to anger that is to vent oneself and express displeasure rather than simply brooding about it often we're upset but we'll just kind of feel sorry for ourselves, or, or we'll just be upset internally but indignant means that now that thing is exploding out of him and he's, he's, he's angry right Jesus is angry that the disciples who are supposed to know him and be walking in the ways that he set before him are doing the opposite And what we learn is the object of a person's indignation reveals a great deal about that person. What makes you angry really points to your heart. The same thing that we talk about, like, what do you love? That points to your heart and where it's at. The same thing can be said about what makes you angry. (laughs) Listen, when we start looking at what makes us angry, we start seeing where the sin is in our heart. Are you angry because you're out of because you, you, you're out of your comfort zone? Are you angry because you, you you've tried really hard and people still just don't like you? Are you angry because you don't have everything that you think you should have, and you feel like you should control some of those things, right? All of those things. What makes us angry points to our heart. Do you guys ever get angry? All right, good. We're all in good company, okay? Because all of the adults here also get angry right we get angry and that points to what's in our heart so Jesus anger what what's what's causing him to be indignant is his love for these children that the helpless would be brought to him so that he could bless them and love them and when that is stopped he gets angry you see Jesus' displeasure here reveals his compassion and defense of the helpless, the vulnerable, and the powerless. If that's one thing that we've seen throughout our time in Mark, it's that Jesus goes to those who can't come to him. And he calls for those people to come to him. They have, people who have, should have no right coming to a, a, a teacher, a rabbi, are coming to him and totally changing the paradigm of society. They're breaking all the rules and coming to him and he wants them to come to them to him those who are who, who have needs who are broken he comes and he heals and he mends and fixes you see Jesus is not rebuking the disciples because they made a mistake he's rebuking them because they have a wrong value system their, their priorities are messed up they've said what What should be important, or what Jesus says is important, is not important. And how often do we do that? Man, all the time. But even in the kind, like even this rebuke is the kindness of God. Has anybody, kids, have any of you ever been corrected by your parents? Okay. I will say that sometimes that's not out of kindness, but most of the time it is out of kindness. And I can say that because some of you are my children, so I know for sure that sometimes it's not out of kindness. But most of the time, as parents, our our rebuke, our correction is for your good, and it's because we love you, and it's a kindness to you. I guarantee that every time Jesus rebukes us, every time Jesus corrects us, it's because of his kindness and his love for us. And so that's what we're seeing, Jesus loving the disciples by correcting them, even with a strong rebuke. And so what does he say? He says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Let the children come to me. Psalm 70 verse 4 says, may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. All. It doesn't matter if you're a if you're brand new babe, right? If you're a teenager, if you're going through that awkward pre-teenage, it doesn't matter if you're 40 or 50 and your body's beginning to break down or you're 70 and you're, you only have a couple more things left in your life that you can do. Jesus says, all of you come to me. And he, and he longs. For children to come to him. You don't have to have a complete understanding of who Jesus is to come to him. Right? One of the cool things is as a really young kid, probably around some of your ages, I, I heard that Jesus loved me. And so I heard that Jesus loved me, and I knew that because my parents loved me, I loved them back. And so if this Jesus loved me, then I should love him in return. And so I I made a commitment at a very young age, four or five, to love Jesus. And a lot of you guys have made that same commitment. Now, we don't understand everything that that means. And yet, that shouldn't stop us from coming to him. And Jesus actually says, don't let that stop you. Let the children come to me. You see, these children are the least. What we don't know, because we live in uh, 2022, is that 2,000 years ago, children had less value than they do today. Many of the children that were there um, had survived a, a, a hard childhood. Like if they, if, they have any, if they get to five or six, they're doing pretty good. And then from there, they begin to progress. But like all the things that we think about, they didn't have. And they didn't really have people who cared and valued them. So like medicine and different things and, and healthy meals, they didn't have access to all of that all the time. And often they, people just didn't care about children as much as we do now. So Jesus is, is saying, listen, the, the least of these, these people that you overlook, that you devalue, I want them to come to me. Do not hinder. Listen, from a few weeks ago, we were talking about some really, really hard things. We were talking about sin. We were talking about the the brokenness of sin and that sin actually deserves hell. And Jesus says, listen... In, in, verses, uh, in chapter 9, verses 36 and 37, he said, And he took a child and he put him in the midst of them. And taking them in his arms, he said to them, Remember, this is that baby. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. Then he goes on in 42. And this is where we need to listen because this is the hard part. He says, Whoever causes one of these little ones to, to stumble... Little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. How much does Jesus value children? So much. So much. And so he says, if anyone would cause them to sin, if anyone would hinder them from coming to me. Listen, and what is a like, when we talk about sin... Anything that would take us away from Jesus is sin. Anything that would bring us to Jesus is righteousness. Like, that's what we need. And so if we were to cause someone, some of these kids to not be able to come to Jesus, that's sin. Jesus is making that really clear to us. Why? Why does he care about these children so much? For to such belongs the kingdom of God. This kingdom that Jesus has Come, and that's all he's preaching. He's preaching about the kingdom of God, not about the rules of man, not about their traditions. He's saying, listen, the kingdom of God is at hand. Mark one fifteen, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As we think about it, who has Jesus gone to with this preaching? Who has he gone to with this message? He's gone to the outcast. I think of the outcast, I think of the leper, right? He is outcast from society. And Jesus goes to him and and, and the leper comes to him with faith. And Jesus invites him and brings him in. Jesus has gone to the hopeless, the, the woman with the issue of blood. She was sick and she had gone everywhere else. She had tried everything else and she is without hope except for this last hope that maybe this guy that I heard about, this Jesus would be able to heal. me. Gone to the outcasts. He's gone to the hopeless. He's gone to the marginalized, the sinners and tax collectors. Listen, you don't just become a tax collector. Like, you have to work to get there. And we don't just, like, we all are sinners, but but some of these sinners are working hard at their sin, okay? They're, They're enjoying it. And yet Jesus goes with a different message and invites them in to true joy. To the marginalized, to those that have been set outside of what we would say is righteous and holy and good people. And then finally he goes, not finally, but another another place he goes is to the needy. You think about it. All of the people that are pressing in on him, they all need something. So many of the sick and so many of those that are on like death's doorstep, they need Jesus. Jesus goes and he goes to the outguessed, the hopeless, the marginalized, the needy. Children in Jesus' day and age represented all of these rolled into one. Like if you if you think about a young child who can't do anything for themselves. They're hopeless. Many of them are marginalized. Many of them are needy. Many of them have been outcasts. And this is, this is the children that Jesus is saying, bring to me. These children are now the way that Jesus calls people. If you would come like a child, you would enter into the kingdom of God. And listen, in verse 15... He makes it very clear. He says, truly. Is he telling a lie? Nope. Because he's saying, truly. Listen, if Jesus says, truly, it's honestly the truest thing you're ever going to hear. He says, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. If we don't come like a child, we won't enter into the kingdom of God. Receive the kingdom of God. Receive the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Not a result of works that no one may boast. A child doesn't go out and earn anything. A child receives what is given to them. They can't. They're utterly helpless to earn or to build or to create All they can do is receive the gift that is given them. This is the way the kingdom of God comes. It's given to you. You receive it as a gift. Like a child. Do you think that Jesus is talking about children because they're uh, super imaginative? Probably not in this instance, although most of you are, and that's really cool. Do you think that Jesus is talking about a child because they're innocent? How many of you are innocent? Like you had never done anything bad? Uh Uh-oh. All right, hands down. Good. We were listening to Mr. Matt for prayer of confession. That's good. Listen, so so Jesus isn't talking about that. But when you think of that babe that Jesus grabs, that, that sweet little baby, right? Jesus is saying that's how you enter into the kingdom. And he's saying that because that baby that's in his arms is completely hopeless. It's helpless. It can't do anything of its own accord. It needs to receive a gift. It needs to be brought into the kingdom. That's what Jesus is saying. In his commentary on the book of Mark, Edwards says this we are not innocent and eager we are not innocent and eager, but slow, disbelieving, and cowardly. In this story, children are not blessed for their virtues, but for what they lack. They come only as they are, small, powerless, without sophistication, as the overlooked and dispossessed of society. To receive the kingdom of God as a child is to receive it as one who has no credits, no clout, no claims. Why is that so hard for us? Why do we struggle so much with that? Why do we want something that we can, we can give to Jesus and we can say, Look, I did this, I deserve it? Listen, this is the one relationship where that's not true. Like where you don't earn anything, you can't do it. It's not a, re- it's not a reciprocating relationship. You receive. Yeah, you give. You give your sin and your shame but you receive the righteousness of Christ everything that you that's that's good in this relationship is given to you but we have a hard time with that i struggle with that if at best i think okay now it's been given to me and now i have to go out and do something with it and i have to earn it it's like like a credit plan that Jesus gave me the goods, but now i got to go back and i got to pay him back with my life. That's not true. That's not true. That's a lie. And it will lead us to self-righteousness or, or a complete worthlessness in our own eyes. The truth is that Jesus has given you a gift. That's it. He has given you the gift of grace. It says, by faith, by believing that this is true... Through grace, we receive it. We don't earn it. The kingdom of God is given to us. Salvation is given to us. Listen, and if that's how it starts, that's also how it's kept going. Because often that's, that's the next lie that we'll believe. Is that, okay, that's how I got in the door, but now to stay in the door, I've got to work and I've got to do these things for Jesus. Listen, a baby, after it's been given the gift, doesn't earn it. It doesn't do anything. It's probably going to actually be more more work. Right? You can give it all the good things. Maybe a a mother gives it its milk. What's it going to do with that milk? It's going to create other problems. And it's just going to be a bigger burden. But that's, that's the relationship that we have to God. We don't bring Him anything. And yet He continues to give to us and pour into our lives. We come as helpless children. Thankfully, He doesn't... He, he, he doesn't require anything of us, but He changes us, right? He changes us from children and grows us in faithfulness and maturity, but not out of a, out of a need to, to please God, but out of a, a longing to know Him, to walk in His righteousness, to glorify Him with our lives. And now everything becomes this gratitude-based, beautiful worship with everything. Rather than this condemning, now you have to do these things. You have to earn the love of God. That's not true. The love of God has been poured out on us. By grace you've been saved, through faith. Not of your own works that any of us could boast. It's the gift of God. This is the truth. You see, and the beauty of it is at the end of this. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, and then we're seeing what the kingdom of God looks like. Verse 16, and he took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Listen, these these kids that are being brought into the kingdom of God, they're not getting, their life isn't necessarily changing drastically. Their circumstances aren't changing, but they are being embraced by their Savior. This upside down kingdom that Jesus is, is coming to and he's, he's called and said the kingdom of God is here. And remember it's not upside down like it's the run that's wrong. Our kingdom is the one that's upside down but when we look at the right side up kingdom of Jesus we see it upside down. Listen, that's, that's the kingdom that he's inaugurating. And what do we get when we're in that kingdom? We get the king. That's it. That baby gets to be held by Jesus, gets to know Jesus. We think about like all the things that we need. Yeah, I I realize I get Jesus, but I really need him to fix my marriage. Yeah, I realize I need Jesus, but I need him to heal my body. Yeah, I realize I get Jesus, but whatever it is. Jesus is saying no you get the king and in the king I can just imagine like Jesus holding the baby speaking truth over the baby right Mark doesn't give us his words but we have his words in other places you see Jesus gives us a new identity those outcasts they become the beloved they realize that I, I didn't do anything to deserve this and yet now I am the beloved of God The hopeless in their own strength now have a hope in the strength of Christ. We talked a long time ago, about a year now, of who we are in Christ, Colossians, and and looking at what does it mean to be in Christ, to have this identity, gives us a hope. Those marginalized people become the apple of the king's eye. They don't feel on the outside anymore because the only one who matters, the only opinion that matters, the only approval that matters, they have from their king. The sick and the needy are whole and they're satisfied in Christ. All those things that, that we are outside of Christ, when we come to Christ, he gives us everything we need. When we enter by grace through faith, we receive Jesus. That's what we get. Yeah, we get the kingdom, but mainly we get the king. And I think we just lose sight of that so often. And so I pray that God would open our eyes to what does that mean more, right? Quickly show us when we're chasing after kingdom things rather than the king. Quickly satisfy us with with knowing Christ. The multifaceted jewel that every time we look at him, we see a different thing about Jesus. And we're like, wow. Wow. That's amazing. And then we go tell each other about it because it's that good. And we're encouraged as the church. You see, the center of the kingdom is Jesus. Those babies, they got Jesus. The children, they get Jesus. We, as children, all get Jesus. This morning I would call you to repent and to believe. Maybe, like the disciples, like me, You've hindered people. You've had a different idea of what is the right priority. Like what's important? Because we've let society dictate it. We've let our our families dictate it sometimes. We've let the the pressing circumstances dictate what is important. Man, I've just convicted and worked this week as I've thought about this. In a household of five children... You have plenty of opportunities to just stop and to say, what is the right priority here? And I blow it. And thankfully, Jesus comes and in his kindness has rebuked me this week and will continue to rebuke me as I make the same mistake over and over, just like he rebuked the disciples in love. Maybe you need to repent of that too. And maybe it's not as clear, maybe it's not children that are, that are what, priorities are but just think this week like what have I said is important that clearly Jesus would say is not important or what have I said is not important that clearly Jesus would say is very important you see as the church we're saying God you have you have purchased my life that means your priorities have become my priorities slowly through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that's happening. But when we come and we take communion and we we confess Christ together, we are saying, Jesus, you are not just Savior, you're Lord. So your priorities are my priorities. Maybe you've rejected the gift of the kingdom. Maybe you've tried to earn it this week. You need to repent of that. Because you're saying that the gift that God has given you was unsatisfactory, that it was not enough, that what he did at the cross when he goes and atones for our sin was not enough, that somehow now I need to pay for my sin also. Or I need to be better so that your your sacrifice was unnecessary. No, his sacrifice was absolutely necessary. Do not hide your sin, but confess your sin freely. As we do that, we make much of the cross of Jesus Christ. So maybe your repentance this week needs to be that you've rejected the kingdom of God. Or maybe you've tried to earn it instead of receiving it like a child. Maybe this morning we need to repent because we've sought the kingdom rather than the king. We've looked for healing. We've looked for peace. We've looked for rest. We've looked for all of these other things rather than looking to Jesus who will then give us those things. Jesus is not the means to an end. Jesus is the end. He is the gift that we've been given. He is the kingdom. And so I pray that today we would rest in that. That we would truly value it. That we would rejoice in it. That we would believe that it's really good. So repent and believe. Believe that His way and His priorities are the best priorities. Believe that He is beautiful and satisfying and then walk in obedience in those things. I pray that God would do that in us as a people today. I pray that He would do it in our children. That they would hear this and they would say, I can come to Jesus just like I am. And then come. Come just like you are today. Come to Jesus. God, we thank you so much. We thank you that we have the opportunity this morning to to repent and to believe, Lord, that we've seen this simple, short story, and so much of your heart is packed into it. God, that you would long to give us the gift of your kingdom, that you would long for us to walk in helpless belief, helpless trust, helpless dependence on you. God, forgive us for where our values are not your values, where our priorities are not your priorities. Lord, would you continue to change us? God, even as we see you change the disciples, we know there's hope. We've seen it, God. We've seen it in our own lives, how you continue to change us and draw us into deeper relationship with you, deeper trust, deeper faith, deeper belief. And so, Lord, we thank you that that even as we pray this prayer, we believe it to be true. God, I pray that you would save our children. I pray that we wouldn't hinder our children from knowing you, that we would never stop them, but we would bring them for the blessing of knowing you, of being in your arms, of having a perfect Father Have a a satisfying king. God, would you save our children? Would they know you today? Thank you that we can pray these prayers. Trusting and believing that you're good and that you're doing these things in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.